back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. It's 2.37 in the morning on this lovely November 24th, 2023. Man, I am... uh, My sleep is all thrown off. I went to prayer yesterday morning. And uh, <laughs> I had a feeling it was coming. Somebody was going to ask me, hey, hey, you got anywhere to go for Thanksgiving? Which is nice. You know, people have a good heart. Uh, yeah, this guy, Jesse, he asked me. And then he's like, yeah, a lot of guy, people are going over to this one guy's house. And I was like, oh, thank, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> and uh, they took a while to message the guy who I was going to get the information from. took a little while to message me. And I, by that time, I was knocked out, sleep and in la-la land, dreaming land. <clears throat> I've been like, my, what do you call it? Chronic exhaustion or, yeah, just chronic fatigue. It's been at an all-time high. Some of that is like ever since, some of this, yeah, depression that tries to kick in. Um, Some of that is just like, yeah, when I'm not out working, yeah, my only other, <laughs> my default is to rest, sleep, because I really don't, I don't rest probably enough, I don't know, so anyway, um, like, rarely do I take, like, entire days off to just rest, so, uh, yeah, anyway, that's what I did yesterday, I was knocked out sleep for I don't know how many hours, um, and then I woke up, and finish the rest of this book, God's Generals. It's very good, very good. The very last person I read about was A.A. Allen. I think that's his name. Yeah, William Branham and then Jack Coe. Oh, yeah, he was an interesting guy. And then A.A. Allen... The crazy thing about A.A. Allen, it was a little story, you know, they said for Thanksgiving, <clears throat> him and his wife, they were, they were poor, they were poe. And they couldn't spell the O and the R, they were just poe, P-O. And, uh, yeah, they really forsook everything to follow the kingdom. And, uh, yeah, he even, Allen grew up poor because he grew up in a foster home. But, uh, anyway, uh. One Thanksgiving, they ate an opossum, and the wife stuffed it in everything like it was a turkey. I was like, yeah. It was also an interesting story in here where he really wanted to hear from God. And God gave him, like, yeah, he fasted, and he locked himself in his closet, told his wife not to come get him until he banged on the door or whatever, begged to get out. And uh, anyway, eventually he heard God, and God gave him, like, these 13 things to um, focus on. I'm going to read those real quick. He must realize he couldn't do greater quality miracles than Jesus. He could walk as Jesus walked. 
He must be blameless like God himself. He must measure himself to Jesus alone. He must deny his fleshly desires with fasting. After self-denial, he must allow Jesus seven days a week. He must not not allow, follow. After self-denial, he must follow Jesus seven days a week. And without God, he could do nothing. He must do away with sin in his body. He must not continue in shallow, pointless discussions. He must give his body wholly to God forever. And he must believe all of God's promises. And the other two apparently were pet sins that God had pointed out by name. But Alan never felt he should he could share them with anyone. I can only imagine what those things were. <laughs> all right. Um. Yeah, so great book. It's interesting, like. And I try to remember like little details from all these different people's lives. Like it's hard to remember everything, but I there's some things that stood out more than others. The biggest thing my counselor told me is like the biggest thing he got out of that book. Oh, was crazy. Oh, that guy before him, Jack Cole, man, he only lived to be thirty eight years old. But that dude did so many amazing things. Am I getting Co and Allen's story up about the orphans? One of them was an orphan. I think that was Jack Co. My bad. It wasn't Allen. But I think he grew up poor too. Anyway, um, but Co. Yeah, he passed away at thirty-eight years old, y'all. But he did so much. He did more in those thirty-eight years than most people do, like in their lifetime. Like they lived to be a hundred. Like especially for the kingdom of God, he did a lot. Like he started a whole orphanage himself and a healing ministry and he held all these different tent revivals and people got healed and yeah very interesting jack co coe anyway uh very interesting book most of the people in here white (laughs) just pointing that out uh there was only one black person in the whole book William Seymour. But, uh, yeah, there's five other books in this whole series. Six books total in the series of God's Generals by Robert Slierden. And I plan on reading the other five at some point. But the next book I'm planning on reading is promises and finishing up this book 31 daily devotionals promises and prayers for times of uncertainty i'm gonna read the rest of this after this podcast before prayer and six and then what else there's a book my buddy carl encouraged me to check out called What is the book? It is called Goliath Must Fall by Louis Giglio. And since that's easily accessible on the Hoopla app, that's that's the next one I'm going to read on my phone. Then after that, I really would like to read Houses That Change the World. And then I don't know what I'm going to read after that. I'm going to slowly try to make my way through. I might end up reading like two books at a time. 
I'm going to try to read, um, go through all these books that are in my collection of books. Oh, Killer Angels, I need to read that too. Counselor is referring me to that book. Um, did anything else? Nope. Yeah, outside of tomorrow, I'm going to try to do some deliveries. We'll see how that goes. Do some Instacarting and some DoorDashing, whatever. I'm probably going to have to drink a Red Bull, though, to get through it. Anyway, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, or at least a coffee, something. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you lead and guide and order our steps. Um, Thank you that there's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you, God. As we go into Matthew 17, speak to us clearly. Fill us with your power, your joy, your peace. Help us to look in the mirror, God, and know that though we may not. I'm just going to read these out. Read these out real quick. Help us to know our gifts, Lord. Where is it at? Where is it at? For those who have, have ministerial gifts which is a full-time calling into a ministerial office, which not all are called to. This is a chart I found online. About, it's a good breakdown of the gifts of the Spirit. So these scriptures, these gifts, these particular, they call this the five-fold ministry. Um, and this can be found in Ephesians 4.11 and Matthew 7.11. Luke 11 and Philippians 4.17. <laughs> so these gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So I just pray for those listening, Lord. Those who are called to be past apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, God. I pray that they would know specifically their calling. Oh, yes. And that's what my counselor said, that often the anointing, is too great for the vessel to hold or the, the wine skin to hold and it burst, uh, which we saw a lot throughout that book. And it led to some tragic endings for some of the people in that book. But God, you're gracious, you're kind. So I just pray for those yeah, who are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that they would have a clear understanding of what that role is and they will walk in it. And that you would send the help, the leader, the disciples, and the people to come, the administrators to come alongside them to walk in those ministries. Uh, next, I pray for those with the uh, motivational gifts. These are the basic motivations of a believer and will define their ministry within the body of Christ. All believers will have at least one. So these can be found in Romans 12, 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12 through 28 and 1 Corinthians 7 7. One is they are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy, miracles, healings, helps, ruling, and singlehood. <laughs> um, unlike the 
ministerial gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, were considered like the doma, which is a greater stress on concrete character of the gift. That's the Greek word for these. Um, the Greek word for this is charisma, charismatic gifts, or gifts of grace. Once God given life motivation, we can have one or more of these, and with time, more can be realized. Lastly, uh, the manifestational gifts. These are gifts available to all believers moving in the spirit. The one, the one most needed at a given time will be deposited. It's First Corinthians twelve seven through eleven. These are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. The Greek word for this is for these manifestational gifts is phanerosis or a manifestation shining forth all spirit-filled believers can operate in any of these as he wills and then last there's different beliefs people have on especially the gift of tongues i'm not going to go that deep in that right now but i personally believe I, when i received tongues i received it at the same time i received salvation i asked jesus in the morning when i was six listening to a salty tape but when i went down for an altar call at age of eight there was some german lady i think i've told y'all it's four of them my parents were just going down to join the church and i walked down with them and uh they took me to the back and there was some german lady that asked me if you know she walked me through the prayer of salvation you know and then she asked me if i wanted to receive the gift of tongues and she started speaking in tongues and then i just copied her <laughs> and i've been speaking in tongues ever since i was a little boy um, there's different beliefs people have about that. Um, but it just, at the end of the day, it's a gift that you can simply ask God to do. And it requires humility too, because you're going to sound crazy doing it, but it's a heavenly language between you and God. Some people believe you're going to need it to be able to speak to, like, if you need to go to, uh, foreign nations and you understand what you're saying. I've heard that, but it really is a heavenly prayer language that has many uses to it, but it's mainly a direct communication to God. Some people are like, well, why do I need to, why can't I just speak in English? And I've heard different people say that, basically Satan can't understand what you're saying when you speak in tongues. So uh, it's like, it's different. It's almost like seeing, sending signals to God in Morse code. <laughs> um, and it's almost like a satellite connection versus like an AM radio connection. It's even better than FM radio. So, um, and then the other big, I mean, tongues is probably one of the most debated topics in Christian, the Christian world. Because there's, scriptures that say you're not really supposed to speak in tongues in a church setting like in a like in a actual church service it's like especially the people on the platform aren't supposed to speak in tongues unless there's somebody there to interpret it so that the people that are non-believers won't be confused so but i've seen churches do it all the time at my church i've seen it done so at the end of the day, 
I look at the fruit. Like, if there's actually people's lives being changed and transformed, I think that matters more than the pharisaical spirit we can have sometimes. Like, oh, that's not in the Bible. You're not following the rules here. <laughs> and the main thing that, like, yeah, we get bent on shape about all these other things that have nothing to do with, like, the main gospel. Like, our lives being changed. Are people giving their life to Jesus, professing him as Lord? John 14 and 6, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Those are the main things. Do we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Boom. Are people's lives being changed? Boom. Are people getting healed? Boom. Like, that's the most important thing. And that's why we have a million denominations. <laughs> because people lose track of the main thing. They don't keep the main thing the main thing. And they fight over it. So anyway, uh, other giftings not mentioned here are exorcism or casting out demons in Acts 16, 16 through 18. Hospitality in First Peter 4, 9 through 10. And voluntary poverty and martyrdom. Martyrdom martyrdom being which somebody is willing to die for their faith in first corinthians 13 3 i love this chart thank you lord let's pray for those who don't know their gifting don't know their calling they would seek out help they would ask they would ask you lord what that is and then they, or they would ask somebody else in their church to pray for them and give them discernment a lot of times in my experienced people have walked up to me and told me like hey you have really strong gifting in this this is your gift and so i just pray for everyone that doesn't know their gifting and they're calling their walk in the ones that do i pray that they'll begin to walk in it even in greater levels and um give them new wine skins as they grow keep the wine skins oiled and fresh so they can expand and expand your kingdom ultimately. That's the main point of it all. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to get into this word, I promise y'all. Matthew, I just felt led to talk about that for a minute. Um, there's a spiritual gifts assessment that you can take at Got Question. Well, gotquestions.org has a, if you look in spiritual gifts list, they had a good, they had a good breakdown of the spiritual gifts uh, they all there's also um i found this chart on table of gifts it's called table of gifts mentioned in scripture i wish there was a way for me to like show this to y'all but i put this kind of stuff up on my website but i haven't really fooled around my website in a long time so chewthebible.com but uh, yeah, if you just Google, there's all kind of charts on spiritual gifts. Uh, or just go to those scriptures I listed. They're just type in Google like spiritual gifts, scriptures on spiritual gifts. Um, but these charts help out, like kind of do a lot of the work for you. And then you kind of or take there's an assessment you can take. Where is that assessment? I sent it to. It's called the. I found it at red dash letter dash living dot involve dot me 
slash spiritual dash gift dash quiz. <laughs> That's a lot of dashes. Or I should say hyphen, not dash. Yeah, red hyphen letter hyphen living dot involved dot me slash spiritual dash gift dash quiz. There's other ones out there. If you just type in free spiritual gift quiz, that's how I found this one. Because there's ones that actually charge money. So I guess somebody had, yeah, somebody's making money off all that. But I'm thinking they should all be free. But hey, I didn't take the time to make it. So I can't dictate the price. So um, whoever is charging for these spiritual gift quizzes, I'll have to give an account to God for that. All right. But, um, what else, y'all? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to share my spiritual gifts and then I'll read Matthew 17. So, um, yeah. So my top five are evangelism. That would guess to be my ministerial gift. And it's very important. After reading that book, I learned... I think it was Branham, the one that struggled with this because he was really an evangelist and he had the gift of, and like he really walked, worked in, he really had a gift in healing. Like it manifested in healing. Um, but he tried to be a past a teacher for a while and it did not go over very well. He led him to a lot of like, false doctrines and yes what some people would consider heresy on some beliefs that he developed over time concerning many things like even the whole concept of hell whatever but um yeah where is I going with that so my ministerial gift I'll just break it down by that yeah my ministerial I've never even thought of it like this way my minister, because when I first took this test, it was at Graceway when I was preparing to possibly join their church. And um, yeah, they have you take a spiritual gifts assessment. And I've taken one in a book. I've taken a few different spiritual gifts assessments, and evangelism is always at the top. My dad was an evangelist. He just didn't like walk around telling everybody that. There is even a, um, what do you call those things? A brochure. And my uncle sent me when my dad went out to go preach in my uncle's church out there in Virginia. Um, let me see here. I think that church is still going. What is that message from Uncle Greg? can't find it anyway oh here it goes spiritual crusade evangelist lester w yancey senior new morning star missionary baptist church Twenty one eleven high street portsmouth virginia 23704 pastor gregory e yancey senior Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, July 7th, 8th, and 9th, 2010, at 7 p.m. 
Wow, those all those days are right before my dad's birthday. His birthday was July 10th. Wow, that happened the year I moved to Kansas City. Yeah, because I moved to Kansas City in 2010. Interesting. Anyway, um... Wow, it's crazy to see my dad in that picture. But, um, he actually looked very happy in it. He had a suit on and everything. But, uh... What am, what am I trying to say here? Yes, my dad was an evangelist. My grandfather, I need to ask my grandma. I need to talk to my grandma. I should have called her today for Thanksgiving, but you know, I'll call her tomorrow. Maybe I'll call. I don't know. I need to call. I haven't called my grandma in a while. But my great-grandfather on my mom's side, I can't remember what exactly he was, like what his title was. I think it might have been evangelist is what the title they gave him. But my, you definitely my grandpa on my dad's side, my dad's dad, he was known as Evangelist Cornelius Emmanuel Hensi, the second, I want to say, because his grandfather's name, Cornelius Emmanuel Hensi, and I think he was an evangelist too. Like, I come from a long line of evangelists. I don't know how far it goes back beyond Cornelius, the Corneliuses, but uh, yeah. So it would only be right that that's the gift, the gifting that God has given me. Um, I've had people multiple times like, hey, you're just a natural at evangelizing the people. And I do a lot better one on one versus like trying to be in front of a whole group of people like teaching and preaching. It's, that's not my thing. Um, Like more of like a counseling type evangelism. Like one on one counseling. That's pretty much all I've been doing. Doing what I've been doing. Rebu and what did I call it? Lift. How do you say it? lift backwards? Tilfy. Anyway, Tiffle. There you go. All right. Uh, yeah, evangelism, giving. So those are the evangelism is my ministerial gift. My motivational gifting are like what motivates me, what like gets me going. Once again, this is the basic motivation of a believer and will define their ministry within the body of Christ. All believers will have at least one. So what motivates me in evangelism is giving and mercy also love to see miracles. I haven't really operated in healing very much. I feel like, I think I told y'all before, more of my healing. When I heal people, I feel like I try to heal their hearts. I try to speak to their hearts. I get to the root of why they're bitter toward God. And that's the main thing I'm trying to figure out when I'm talking to somebody. Like, what is their, why are they running from God? Why are they angry at God? What caused them to run away from God? Um, or to, you know, walk away from who God called them to be. I don't care what you tell me, especially here in the United States. This is a Christian nation. This about everybody has a grandma who loves God. <laughs> like it's just, it just, this is a whole new phenomenon in the last couple of generations where we have all these atheists walking around. 
because our grandparents were during that whole faith movement time and they were around during the whole um, Great Depression when you had to have faith in God. They were around when they still taught creationism and not all this Darwinism. So just about everyone I talk to, I pretty much know. Like I usually ask too, like, so did you grow up in church? That's one of my favorite evangelistic questions. I usually ask, like, I start out saying, do you have Jesus in your heart? Or like I'll tell them, you know, I'll tell them Jesus loves you. Or do you know how much Jesus loves you? And then I'll say, do you have him in your heart? Are you a Christian? And then they'll say, uh, kind of, you know, they say all kind of stuff. Or they'll tell me they're Catholic, they'll, you know, and that kind of directs what I say from there. Um, or they say agnostic or atheist. And agnostics are funny because they know probably more about the Bible than I do. Um, anyway, because the fact they even know that word, because not a whole lot of people know it, but anyway, um, and I don't try to get into a whole lot of apologetics when I evangelize. I try to, once again, most people have a broken heart and my theme, I feel like my theme verse for my life, life verse is Psalm 147, three. He heals our broken hearts and bandages our wounds. I told, I think I told you my daughter was born at 147 in the morning, oldest daughter Leah, and then I got 147 on the LSAT twice. So, yeah, 147 has always been a special number for me, even before I knew that scripture. And, um, yeah, those are my favorite three scriptures Psalm 147, 3, Psalm 34, 18, and Psalm 56, 8. All three of those have to deal with like the heart and tears and sadness and having a broken heart. Speaking of that, man, I'm just talking, talking. I highly encourage y'all to check out this podcast, episode S5E7, season five, episode seven. And it's called Why Does God Allow Suffering? It's a, po- it's a podcast I listen to sometimes. It's called Therapy and Theology. It's hosted by Lisa Turkhurst. Don't ask me how to spell Turkhurst. Or I'll spell it for you. L-Y-S-A-T-E-R-K-E-U-R-S-T. Very good. All right, so... I also feel like I have kind of a, yeah, encouraging. Give My main ones are giving and mercy, but also as I'm reading this list, I might also have a gift of singlehood after being single now for six years or technically divorced six years and single for over a year, but celibate for like four years. I don't know. It is not easy, but I'm making it. Um, healings of people's hearts, miracles, prophecy because god be showing me stuff before it happens a lot i'll have dreams and then i'll come they'll happen those are probably on this list and and so prophecy encouraging giving mercy miracles healing singlehood those probably are my biggest motivational gifts um and then manifestational gifts, these are the gifts available to all believers moving in the spirit. The one who most one most needed at a time, given time will be deposited. Um, 
faith, tongues, prophecy, miracles. It's interesting that there's overlap between motivational and manifestational. Anyway, poverty, sometimes I I feel like I could, I don't know, as long as there's no roaches and I'm not freezing cold, I could probably, I've got to be careful saying this because I'm probably going to get tested in this area. Can't do roaches, can't do rats, (laughs) and I don't like the cold. As long as those are not issues, usually I can do pretty well in just about any situation that God wants to take me into. All right. Enough of that, y'all. I highly encourage y'all to figure out what your spiritual gifts are and walk in those. Um, we are in Matthew 17. We're reading about the transfiguration. It's only 27 verses, so we should be able to finish in time with under the hour. All right, the transfiguration. Oh, let me change it to KJV. And after six, yeah, Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John. <laughs> Y'all notice that whenever Jesus, those are like his home. Those are, that was like his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. And after six days, sometimes I wonder if it was kind of like just a situation where God was like, man, you know, like with me, sometimes I want to take all my kids everywhere. I might just take one or two of them or go by myself somewhere and say, hey, I'll stay here. It's like, I'm about to take all 12 of y'all. Peter, James, and John, come on. And they just it was just known that they were the ones that would go with Jesus when they was about to do something special. But I think it's deeper than that because look at this. Look at what's about to happen. Here we go. Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. (laughs) If thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, or Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I have a feeling as I'm reading this, that like, you know, like those moments where everybody else is quiet, because something big is about to happen. And then somebody like talks out a turn, like starts talking right when they shouldn't be. <laughs> because the teacher is about to like say something important. You know, that little awkward moment, right? Right before something very special is about to happen or something we said. And somebody starts talking and then they realize like, oh, I shouldn't be talking right now. That's what I have the feeling that's going on right now with Peter. I can only imagine God like, dude, why are you talking right now? This, just be quiet. <laughs> that would be me. I would be Peter. I am Peter in so many ways. Uh, this, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. 
And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. So, God, yeah, yeah, God makes Jesus all lit up and bright. And then they can see Moses and Elijah there. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are gone. And it's just Jesus. Like, hey, this is the one. This is the one that's most important. Not Moses, not Elijah, Jesus. And this happens after Matthew 16. Remember where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Do we need to go back, y'all? Do we need to go back, y'all? It's Matthew, it's called the Great Confession, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do you men say that I, I the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father in heaven. And he says, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the kings of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed on heaven. And then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Christ, or the anointed one. And here we are. And it is verse 8. Go back to Matthew 17, verse 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. See? He... Matthew 16 and Matthew 17 are really good scriptures to read back to back. And as y'all know, these chapters that are in the Bible technically were in the original manuscripts. They weren't there. Chapters were added later so that people could better, you know, understand things like break things up a little bit and be able to find things throughout the Bible when you're searching and make re to mainly for reference purposes. Verse 10, and his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must come first, or must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. 
Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Interesting that they were able to infer that from what he was saying, but um, there's all these other things that they were kind of slow about, and he had to explain it to them. But they picked that one up. All right, cures and afflicted boy. Got 20 minutes left. Good. All right. Verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to the disciples and they could not cure him. <laughs> I can only imagine the look on the disciples face like they getting told on. They getting like snitch why are you going telling jesus why can't y'all just say like hey um jesus can you heal my son why did they yeah why do you have to bring up that your disciples couldn't do it like leave our name out of this <laughs> i mean it was jesus he already knew anyway he probably was over there watching the whole scenario <laughs> watching as the disciples try to heal this boy cast his demon like heal this this boy is uh basically sounds like yeah, he is suffering from uh, um being possessed by a demon and jesus is probably over there watching him like come out of the name of jesus <laughs> come out of the name of jesus <laughs> and jesus is probably just like oh here we go these only come out through prayer and fasting they don't know that yet they don't know that yet and then watch that. Here he comes. They're about to come over and ask me for help. <sighs> How much longer do I have to? <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy because there's parts of the Bible where Jesus seemed to be kind of like frustrated with the, the disciples and with the people around him. But like, I really wish we could have actually seen Jesus. Like, did he ever actually get upset? Like, when he when it shows that he was upset, like what did he look like, and what was his heart? You know, it was almost like a. Because you know when we get upset or we get frustrated with people, we get annoyed. There, there's a lot of sin behind it, but Jesus didn't sin at all. So. When he, probably got frustrated with, people and the disciples, it wasn't. It didn't look the way we did. I don't know, and body language and. A lot of times when you're reading something, the words don't really fully capture the body language and the mannerism, the facial expressions that those people are making, which speak a lot. 80% of communication is body language. So we're led to have to like picture all this stuff and make up pictures in our head of what we're reading, you know? So anyway, I just like to sometimes take some creative license and just imagine how Jesus was looking in those moments. Anyway, here we are, verse 16, and they brought him to thy disciples, and and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Stitch, <laughs> stitch, 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 why bring our names up? Verse 17, then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. <laughs> See, I wonder what he actually would look like. Or how? What was his tone of voice? Because I always say it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Did he sound like really upset? Like, oh, faithless and perverse generation. 
Or was he just like, oh, faithless and perverse generation? How long? See, this sounds like he was upset. How long should I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Like that, when I read that, it sounds like Jesus kind of had a little bit of an attitude. Which, I mean, he was Jesus. He had every right to. Doesn't mean that he was like, like that tells me that Jesus has grace for us. Like the fact, like the main point I'm bringing that out is the very, the fact that Jesus, even he got frustrated at times. And he said stuff like this. I have a feeling that Jesus had grace, has lots of grace for us. Not saying we should complain or always do this kind of stuff, but like he has grace for when we sometimes like get frustrated with people. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? <laughs> and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, I, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. That's exactly what I said earlier. I was guessing though. I didn't know that that verse was right immediately after that. But yeah, that particular casting out of demons requires prayer and fasting. In Galilee, and while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly are exceeding sorry. Verse twenty four And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, or of their own children, or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers, Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free? Notwithstanding this, he said it more of a, a statement, not a question. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. You ever have these little moments where you space out and you, you kind of know what you read, but you kind of don't? There's a lot going on there. I'm just going to keep reading. Verse 27, Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee.
and try to call Jesus out from not paying a tribute. Only thing I know about tributes are like, y'all can go deeper into that, the history of tributes. I remember when I used to play Age of Empires, there was these tributes you would give to like other nations or your in like people you you had a truce with to buy you you would pay tribute to like buy yeah you could trade but he also paid tribute it's been a while since I played I remember you used to pay tribute to like buy stuff to like buy gold or you would yeah use gold to buy like grain or like yeah food or stone these different um resources and use those resources to build things and build your army up and create more humans very interesting game my buddy carl loves that game i need to but i sold my macbook so i could technically play it on i need to see if they have agent empires on my phone i would play it fact that's what i'm about to do now all right thanks for listening is there anything else I want to say? No, not really. Did I already talk about my Thanksgiving? If I didn't, I can't remember, but I didn't do anything. I just slept and read a book, finished God's Generals, and I didn't really eat anything except oatmeal, and um, I just now ate some pasta with red sauce. Happy Thanksgiving to me. Holla at you later. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners jesus christ died for us romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that jesus is lord and believe in our heart that god has raised him from the dead we will not might be not maybe we will be saved for with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with god and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.